Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. Be sure to give us a like and write us a five-star review if you get the chance. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, we're taking a two, really a two-prong approach here with this with this show, taking a look at our 53-man roster predictions that we made a couple of weeks ago and the Dolphins' first preseason game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, Paul, it was great to see Ryan Tannehill back. You know, the Dolphins ended up losing the game on a last-second field goal by, of all people, Chandler Catanzaro, which actually is my last name. But it's, it's good to see football back here, Paul. What, uh, what really stuck out for you as some positives here for the Dolphins? So I know a lot of people have thrown a lot of the positives out there that they've seen, and, and I don't want to just sit on those. Cause, so one of the big positives I haven't seen talked about enough was I think Thomas Duarte was a very pleasant surprise in this game. I know he's kind of a deep roster pick for this to start off with, but he's a guy that's kind of hung around on the practice squad. I know we were high on his skills as a receiver, but he looks a lot more complete out there now. I know he didn't put anything sexy on the stat sheet, but he was sealing a lot of blocks, setting the edge, keeping folks away, and running some good patterns out there. So that was a really good thing to see. Another one for me was seeing Isaiah Ford out in action, seeing him in game action. I know he lost all last year. I know he was a guy heading into training camp you and I were both very excited about, about coming out of Virginia Tech and the things that he could do as a receiver, even though he's a very slight build. And I think he looked even better than advertised. So – that was a huge positive for me watching him in this game, not just what he did on the stat sheets, but just watching how crispy was in his routes, watching what he did when given the opportunity. I think he's a guy that could actually really contribute this year in a very deep receiver room. So that, to me, that's a huge compliment to him. It's funny you oh, say that, too, to, to, to jump in there, Paul, is because the Dolphins are probably going to keep – I mean, they're definitely going to keep five receivers, and we've talked about all of them, you know, Parker, Stills, Amendola – Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, and they're going to keep three tight ends, and that's the two rookies and, and Marquise Gray. So it wouldn't surprise me if Thomas Duarte and Isaiah Ford end up battling for one roster spot. It wouldn't, and I think in that case, I think Isaiah Ford gets it. I think I think that I actually think they're really going to keep six receivers here, given the talent level that they have and the fact that they're hoping that Devontae Parker breaks out this year, which I, I honestly am kind of over at this point, as we've talked about before, but mm-hmm. whatever. We're pretty sure he's going to be there. The one guy I really want to just highlight, too, even though I know he's getting highlighted everywhere, based on what we saw heading out of the draft, was really Jerome Baker at, at outside linebacker. The game didn't look too fast for him. He looked like he was able to play read, react, be in the right place, and might have been one of the best players on the field in this game 
which I don't, if anybody tells you they expected, they probably rooted for him in college and, and kind of were homering it here. Nobody outside of the Finns organization at the very least expected Baker to be what he was in this game. I'm really excited to see what he can do going forward. And one thing I'll throw on top of that too, I know some folks were down on the defensive tackle play in this game. I was very high on it because of what the defensive tackles are being asked to do in this scheme. They're being split super wide and being asked to push up the field down in and down out. They're not being asked to suck up blockers. They're not being asked to do this or that. They're being asked to go upfield. And there's a very good competition going at defensive tackle. They did what they were asked to do, and I was very happy with what they did with what they were asked to do. So Jordan Phillips, you know, Ta- Vincent Taylor, Davin Godchow, uh, Akeem Spence, they did what they were asked. Don't buy into some of the hype you're going to hear from folks about them not doing what they wanted to see them do because they were doing what they're asked to do in the wide nine scheme. I really liked what uh, Vincent Taylor brought to this game. And when you look at the last the reports coming out of camp over the last week, then I think Vincent Taylor has earned a roster spot on the 2018 Miami Dolphins. And Jordan Phillips also had a very good game, too. My concern with the Dolphins this year is right up the middle of their defense because if they are unable to stop the run, and I think that they will be unable to stop the run or, or at least not all that great at it, then I think that it leaves a possibility that these running backs can get to that second level and then the linebacker core is a little bit undersized too. So that's something that, that really bears watching. Jerome Baker did have a fantastic game. And I, I think when you look at him, he may be too fast for the NFL right now. I mean, this is somebody who ran a four five forty coming out of Ohio State. And a comparison that somebody who contributed on the show before, uh, C.K. Parrott, said many times is, he could be like a poor man's Deion Jones from the Falcons and in terms of his ability to cover a lot of ground. So th- this could be somebody who, who covers running backs, tight ends all over the field. Completely agree. And one thing I actually just occurred to me too, while you were talking a little bit about, and I'm going to go back to the defensive tackles and linebackers here is Adam Gase has said in the past that he's building this team to play with a lead. It's a little bit of a gamble. But the scheme and everything else is set up for Miami to play with a lead. You, Miami gets the lead. Teams aren't going to be running as much. Or Miami wants them to do that, wants the other team to eat the clock with a lead. So that wide nine scheme with the with the defensive line, et cetera, is part of that. But I will say, Rake McMillan, we need him to step up a little bit more in the next game now that he's got a little bit under his belt. Or we need to see some things flexed around at linebacker to make this work because the way the wide nine is set up is for the linebackers to run around and be the ones stopping the run game. And as you pointed out, they are a little bit slight, so we need to see a little bit more from those guys. Yeah, I was not impressed with uh, Rake McMillan in this game, and I think he's been built up a lot because he was so impressive last year before he tore his ACL. The reality is I think McMillan is going to be an okay football player. I, I don't see a superstar type at the linebacker position. And, you know, when you draft somebody at the end of the second round, you don't expect them to be a superstar. But the key at the linebacker position is that there's increased speed this year. With with the Jerome Bakers, with Stefan Anthony having a year under his belt, and hopefully with Kiko Alonso playing a little bit better, than he did last year. A couple other things uh, negatively that stuck out for me. 
you know, Jason Sanders did miss a 53-yard field goal. I was hoping that he would definitely hit that in the first drive of the game. And then Greg Joseph, poor Greg Joseph, his his first kick as a Miami Dolphin, the first time he puts his foot on the ball in a game, he kicks the ball out of bounds. I mean, even though he hit a 48-yarder a little bit later in the game, man, that that's something that's pretty difficult to overcome. That number two cornerback spot also bears watching, too. I don't think Tankersley or Corey McTire uh, played very well in this game, but man, oh, man. It's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting battle because Xavier Howard, by all reports, is blowing it up in camp. But that number two cornerback spot, you know, I, I hope Tankersley still wins it and still flourishes this year. Yeah, I'm not freaking out about the number two corner spot yet. Fitzpatrick has always done well against the Dolphins, and you know we, we've got to take some of what happened after that when the second team was in with a bit of a grain of salt because they were going up against Tampa Bay's number one quarterback in, in Jameis Winston. So uh, I'm not going to freak out too hard quite yet, given the fact that Miami's corners were playing with the second team D line, third team D line against Jameis Winston, so he wasn't getting the pressure that you, we would hope to see from Miami starting four or starting six or however you want to call it for the front. I, I, I will say this, going back to your comment about the kickers, uh, I'll find an optimistic way to play to put it. Both kickers look just about as good as Brock Osweiler in this game. So we can go with that there. I mean, it, it's yeah, that kickoff that went out of bounds, before he even kicked it out of bounds, I'm watching him line up to kick the ball and, and – Good God. You could see the guy freaking out that he's kicking in an NFL game. I don't want a kicker that's going to freak out over a kickoff in an NFL preseason game. I mean, good God. Imagine if somebody calls a timeout to ice the kicker. He's going to ice himself whether they do or not. So I can only imagine what he's going to do in that high-pressure situation. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think Greg Jones That's all I need to say. I think he's done. Again, another name to keep an eye on, Kai Forbath, if he's cut from the Vikings, which he probably will be. Could be a Cody Parkey-like signing when that happens. Paul, let's get to our 53-man roster. We we made some predictions here a few weeks ago. We'll go down position by position and and see see how those things are going now. So at the quarterback spot, uh, we obviously had Ryan Tannehill and we had David Fales as the backup. Looks like in this game, Fales definitely didn't do anything to hurt his stock with the team. I think he was by far the most impressive quarterback uh, outside of Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, for me, I, this game moves fails from a, yeah, he's the most obvious choice to fails is the lock now for me, unless something drastic happens in the next two games. Fails is the lock for me behind Ryan Tannehill. I've got him keeping two. I, Osweiler isn't even good enough to be a camp body, and Bryce Petty is Bryce Petty. I mean, he looked better than Osweiler, but that's not saying much. Right. Uh, Brock Osweiler, it was funny to watch the game because Bob Greasy said, okay, Osweiler's six foot seven, and how is he getting all these passes batted down? Well, simple. He throws the ball sidearm, and <laughs> so he, he had three passes batted down in this game. And and as you referred to him in the last podcast, he's he's a cesspool of a quarterback. It's he's he's not going to make the roster. David fails. I expect to make it as the number two guy. We're both in agreement there. I'm just going to throw in real quick here before we go to the running back position. You had the tweet of the week for me this week when you were replying to something about that, when you said, you know, 
Brock Osweiler is a six foot seven quarterback, but he gets passes batted down because he throws sidearm. Oh yeah, and he sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and that man, was Bob like Greasy the best ever. Blown away that why this is happening. Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy. Bob's is, an idiot. In, in in terms of in terms of being a broadcaster, he is the broadcaster version of Brock Osweiler. So it's you know just perfect irony in that situation. Paul, the running back spot, Kenyon Drake made a, a series of good runs. Uh, Frank Gore sat out this game. Kalen Bellage, you know, saw some good, some bad. He obviously had that embarrassing fumble, but you you saw the talent there. The real story, I think, is that fourth running back spot. Dolphins signed Jeremy Langford, who used to play for Adam Gase. Uh, Sonoris Perry had a very good game, uh, made two really impressive runs, as he often does in preseason. So do you still have Sonoris Perry making the team as your fourth running back? Yeah, I think the job is his to lose at this point after this game. I mean, outside of the two impressive runs, I'll be honest with you, I was impressed with him every time he touched the ball, and even when he didn't. Kalen Bellage looked better than advertised, and, and I'm going to just dismiss that fumble. It was goofy. It was embarrassing. I don't see that being a thing that happens again. Yeah, uh, for me, I've got four running backs, and it's pretty much a lock at this point with Drake, Gore, Bellage, and Perry. Yeah, I, I think Perry does make the team, and the big thing is he can play special teams. And I'll I'll go a step further, too. I think at the beginning of the season, Kalen Balazs is going to be inactive on game days just because he's so rough around the edges and Sonoris Perry can play special teams. I see Perry being that third running back, Balazs being the fourth, and then as the season goes along, Kalen Balazs starts to get a, get a few more carries there. At the wide receiver position, obviously we've got the five that are entrenched. Parker, Stills, Amendola, Grant, and uh, Wilson. Do you still have Isaiah Ford making the team as the sixth guy? Yep, and he is the bottom end of my six wide receivers. Matter of fact, if Parker continues to be so up and down, even though he may have the best moments as a wide receiver on this team, we may see a couple of games where Gase deactivates Parker and has Ford on the active roster if Parker continues to be so up and down, maybe it'll be a motivational tool. Maybe it'll fire him up and we'll see something out of him. We'll see. But I think there's a distinct possibility we may see a few game days where Ford is active and Parker is not. And I'm sure I'm going to get some hate mail in the comments for this podcast for saying that. No, I, I think people are pretty much in agreement with you on Devontae Parker, and so am I, that the common theme is that Devontae Parker's days seem to be numbered, but people can't quite put a finger on as to when. I mean, he's the only one really not stepping out right now. And behind him, you've got Albert Wilson, who is impressing every chance that he gets. But the question is, are you going to get anything for Devontae Parker? I mean, if if it's a fifth or sixth round pick, I'm really not interested in that because I think Parker can roll out of bed, sky over a, a defensive back, and make a 30-yard catch. And, you know, it's it's kind of the same situation as years ago when the Dolphins traded a fifth-round pick for, or, or traded, excuse me, traded Ted Ginn for a fifth-round pick. What did you really end up getting out of that? So we'll, we'll see what happens with Devontae Parker. Uh, as far as the wide receiver position, we're in agreement on the roster to this point. I still have Isaiah Ford not making the team. If the Dolphins could keep 55 players instead of 53, I'd have them on there. I still go back to... The guy doesn't play special teams, so he may have a difficult time making the roster as that sixth guy. For now, I'm going to leave him off the 53-man squad. So at tight end, 
obviously Mike Gusecki, and I'm very happy to say at this point that as somebody who didn't like the Gusecki pick because I thought he was a complete liability as a blocker, he looked like he was able to block in this game. And, you know, he's been impressing every opportunity that, that he's gotten in training camp, and it was should have been an easy touchdown there in the second quarter from David Fales to Mike Gusecki. Almost made a one-handed catch, too. So this is somebody I, I continue to be more and more excited of, about as he as he goes into the season. So I, I have Gusecki obviously making the team. Durham Smythe is a fourth-round pick. He's going to make the team. Uh, Bryce Petty missed him in the fourth quarter in this game. Could have had a really important catch, too. Marquise Gray, I think, is a lock, too. Adam Gase really sung his praises this past week. I've got those three tight ends making the roster. The big question is, Paul, does Thomas Duarte make the roster for you? I'll be honest with you here. And again, this is another position where I'm expecting to get a little bit of hate mail. And I'm going to, before I say this, I'm also going to say it's great that Miami is in a position now where they're going to have to make some tough and talented cuts come the end of uh, training camp, come the end of the preseason. For me in this game, as much as Gates may have sung Gray's praises over the past week, I have Thomas Duarte pulling a little bit ahead of Gray now. And between salary considerations, and I think he, he, he stepped up in a game situation here, which I, we all know Gase is a fan of. I've got Miami keeping three tight ends right now, and it's Gesicki, Smythe, and Duarte, with Gray being my, my just barely missed the roster cut for right now. Well, that that would be a big surprise, um, especially because Gray has the ability to, you know, he, he's really the only fullback on the roster if if when the Dolphins give that look. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving along to the offensive line, probably my favorite thing in this game is in the first two drives, I saw this line play at an NFL level with NFL caliber players. I have been dying to see it for years, and it happened. Uh, you know, Laramie Tunzel – Looked like he was not overwhelmed at that left tackle spot, even going up against Jason Pierre-Paul. Josh Sitton and Dan Kilgore were able to give Ryan Tannehill a lot of time. On one specific play, even though it was only a nine-yard pass, I saw Tannehill drop back, pump fake, look, and then drop the ball off to uh, Kenyon Drake without fearing that he's going to be hit from all angles at, at, at any point. So the offensive line, I think, very uh, played very well. And, you know, looking at, but looking at the, uh, you know, 53-man roster, obviously Tunzel, Sitton, Kilgore, Jesse Davis, and Juwan James are going to be those five starters. Ted Larson looks, looks to be a lock as well. Uh, Jake Brendel has been hurt, but I think we both got him on the team. So how, how does the rest of that, of that offensive line unit, unit rank out for you, Paul? I've got Steinmetz on there, and that's the only addition to that. Um, I just, I think – the young upside, I, as much as I like uh, Big Red there, uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now. I know Sam Young, he just, every time I look at him, he looks thinner and thinner and more and more like a liability out there on the field. I don't love him as the backup tackle. I'd rather have Smith or Steinmetz or whoever, or Jesse Davis, whoever doesn't win that guard spot be the backup swing tackle at this point. He just seems like such a liability. and He's a great guy. He really is. I, I like him a lot. He's done some good things in Miami. I don't have Sam Young making the team. 
Yeah, and I've switched that myself. I don't have Young making the team. I have them mostly because Smith, I think, is going to surprise people. I think he looks the part. I think he looked the part in this game. And Jesse Davis can also uh, kick out as well. So my backups are on the offensive line, Brendel, Larson, and Smith. I have them keeping eight of them. Uh, moving quickly along to the defensive line, too. Obviously, the Dolphins have eight locks here. You've got, you've got uh, Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn, Akeem Spence, Devin Gottschaw, Charles Harris, Jordan Phillips, William Hayes, and Andre Branch. Eight locks right there. I thought Vincent Taylor has done enough, not only in this game, but over the last week to really cement, cement himself a roster spot. But I know we had a disagreement with that a couple of weeks ago. But I do have Vincent Taylor making the team as that ninth guy. I know you're high on on another player, too, a Dolphins undrafted free agent. Yeah, I do like Anthony Moten, but I I had Taylor pull ahead of him in this game. It's You just noticed Taylor play in and play out. And, and Moten's actually stepped up his play from when, when we did this a few weeks ago. But Taylor still pulled ahead of him in this game. So for me – Taylor's now the third defensive tackle making this team, or fourth defensive tackle, I'm sorry. And I'm going to say this. I, as good as he, as he was last year, as much as I was impressed with Davin Gauchow last year, and as much as I've got him as a lock here, I do need to see a little bit more out of him in the next game. He was the least impressive of the four defensive tackles I have making this team. Um, so I, I do want to see a little bit more out of Gauchow moving forward. Yeah, I thought I thought Gauchow got flattened a few a few times. And obviously he's going to make the roster, but, you know, yeah, not not somebody – I think he's been a little bit overhyped at this point, too, just because he was a fifth-round pick last year. He did well, but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I wish him the best and and hope that he makes a a good impact in this rotation. Um, Yeah, so I've got Vincent Taylor making it, too. I also have Cameron Malveaux there making the the team as the 10th defensive end. Uh, Yeah, actually, I'm glad you you brought him up because I had him – I had him make mine as well. He was absolutely impressive in this game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, moving along to the linebacker spot, it seems like we've got five locks here. Kiko Alonzo, Raquan McMillan, Jerome Baker, which, by the way, Jerome Baker, uh, I've received word that Jerome Baker has been moved up into the starting lineup. I think that's a fantastic thing. And then behind him, it's hard to see Stefan Anthony and Chase Allen not making the roster. One thing that did happen in this game, unfortunately, Mike Hull did did get injured. He's expected to miss a couple of weeks, and he was in a pretty big-time competition for that sixth linebacker spot. I had Hull making the 53-man roster when we talked a little while ago, but I'm going to put Terrence Garvin on that 53-man roster over Mike Hull as the sixth linebacker. Right now, I've still only got five linebackers making the team. I do still expect Minka to take over the starting role at safety and TJ to play up in the box a lot more. So I think we're going to see a lot more three safety looks. I do like Terrence Garvin. I do think he could pull into up into the mix here as we move forward. But for right now, I've got McMillan, Allen, Baker, Alonzo, and Anthony making this roster. Uh, but that's with the caveat that I expect to see Miami in a lot more three safety looks. And I think they can stash Garvin for later. But it's, yeah, I think Hull will end up on the PUP list. I think he may even go on IR with the designation to return, at which point I think he's going to challenge the bottom end of that linebacker core. I don't have Quentin Poling making this roster. I know some folks are high on him. I know people are, are saying he looked great in camp. I still think he looks like a big, slow, out-of-place kid. 
like if you ever watch a youth football game, you'll see the kids that aren't athletic but give it their all. And that's what he reminds me of when, when you watch him out there, the unathletic kid that can't quite make it, but he's trying like hell. And that just doesn't cut it at an NFL level. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I don't see a, a great pathway for pulling to make the roster. At the defensive back spot, in our initial predictions, I had 11 defensive backs making it, and you had 12. And both of us had Jalen Davis at the time making that roster. To I've since taken Jalen Davis off for a couple of reasons. Number one, I didn't have McTire. Embarrassing, embarrassingly on the 53-man roster. Now he might be vying for the starting cornerback job, which because of his ability to play special teams, because he doesn't make a lot of money, he you've got to think he's a lock to make the 53-man roster now. Do you still have Jalen Davis making this team? I do have Jalen Davis making the team, and I actually, as much as it hurts, I slid Cornell Armstrong to just missing the roster here. I've got six corners making the team. McCain, Lippett, Howard, Tankersley, McTire, all his locks. I've got Jalen Davis as a, you know, should make the team. Uh, as far as safeties go, I've got Fitzpatrick, Jones, McDonald, and then Akins and Smith making the roster. So I've got 11 here instead of 12 like we had last time. But I, I, I made room for Malvo in place of Cornell Armstrong, although he could make his way back onto this for me. Yeah, right now, Jalen Davis is above Cornell Armstrong on the depth chart, and Armstrong did not have a good finish to this game. I mean, he had a lot of passes caught off him, and unlike Jalen Davis, Armstrong has not seen any work in, in, in the slot, so he doesn't have that versatility either. So I could flip a coin of, over either one. I have Armstrong making the roster as the 53rd guy simply because the Dolphins draft him in the sixth round. And I think if you draft a player in the sixth round, then you're going to, you're more likely to have patience with a player like that. So we'll see how that goes. And I would imagine at the special team spot right now, as it stands, Jason Sanders is the kicker. Hawk is the punter and John Denny is the long snapper. Agreed. But the one thing I'm going to add to that, just based on how much both kickers sucked in this game is I don't have either kicker as a lock I just have Sanders as the guy making it ahead of Joseph. It's I, I think the kicker is going to end up not coming out of, out of either of these two. I think it's going to be a cut, like you said, but neither one has impressed me at this point. So I've moved them both out of a lock, but I have Sanders as the one making the roster. Right. I, I do too, as the roster stands today. And again, I've mentioned Kai Forbath many times, uh, Vikings. I expect him to be cut. Uh, Roberto Aguayo, too, from the Chargers. Keep an eye on him here as the summer unfolds. He was he was a former second-round pick, and I think he had a lot of very high expectations on him. If he settles down but still barely loses that job in, in Los Angeles to Caleb Sturgis, a former Dolphin, then I think that you could see a very talented kicker out there that could be better than what we're seeing here right now. Paul, uh, as we go through the summer, so happy that football is back. Uh, any anything else stick out for you uh, here at the uh, w with the Miami Dolphins? Biggest thing for me is I feel better about fails than I do about anything Miami's had at backup quarterback for a few years now, and I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy about that. But I, I I remember talking last year and wanting fails to get the starting job about three quarters of the way through the season, if nothing else, and people thinking we were crazy. But you know what? His upside already is looking better than what we've seen the past couple of years. One thing I do want to throw out before we move any further is I just want to remind folks that we do have our merch store up. We've got a few sales going on. 
We've got a free shipping promotion out there that we were able to work out with Threadless. So make sure you check that out on the finside.threadless.com. A big portion of that does go to charity. Absolutely. Get that merchandise. Uh, and one other note, too, is something to keep an eye on over the next week. The Dolphins have are bringing in Bashan Breland, cornerback from the Redskins, who started from them the last four years and signed with the Carolina Panthers here earlier this offseason. But then, because he wasn't healthy enough, that contract went away, and now he's looking for a new home. So the Dolphins have are bringing him in. So that's something that bears watching, and it's not a great sign there for for uh, Cordrea Tankersley, Tony Lippett, uh, or McTire. So we'll see how that that all unfolds. Thank you for joining us here tonight on the Fin Side. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. Please follow us throughout the the rest of the season and the rest of the preseason here too. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.